I'm Jim Brown, your Bible teacher here at Grace and Truth. I had this stroke, but I seem to be recovering fairly well from it. And uh, and I'm back to teaching. I'm not opening the church up because of this coronavirus, mainly because of the new Delta virus. I had considered opening it up, but the Delta virus, I had my heart doctor tell me yesterday, this has ten times the ability to invade you as the other viruses. And he said that 90% of people in hospitals with coronavirus are people that didn't have the shots. And he said 10% are people that had the shots. Now you can do that whatever you want. I'm teaching on something that I haven't really exhausted. I'm teaching about demons. Demons, I believe this, the more and more I'm studying it, is your and my flesh. Demons. Because demons is man's imagination or our flesh. All this was imagined by men. Demon, when you go into, I go into all my books in my library and research it, and I come up with the same answers every time. Demons was a man's imagination. Demon is, what really drives a man crazy is the outer man. When you're young and you don't know you're not supposed to have your fleshly desires, Paul's, you can see the demon in Romans 7. In Romans 7, Paul said, I have an outer man that serves the law of the flesh. And this flesh is involved in covetousness and it's involved in lust lust let's put the Greek word down lust is the word epithumia the common word and if you'll notice nowhere do you find demons involved in covetousness or in lust or in lust covetousness is the word pleonectes I want to say some things about demons today you've never heard me say before. I really, the more I study this, I don't believe there's a man around, there's a creature around that's floating around the earth. When the Bible says that the devil uh, goes to and fro through the whole earth seeking whom he may devour, I believe that's in the flesh of unregenerate men. That's what it is. The Bible doesn't say, if any man will come after me, let him deny his demon. If demons were will, that's what Jesus would have said. He said, let him deny himself. And take his cross daily. What are crosses for? They are for crucifying the outer man that wants to serve the flesh. And the inner man is Christ in you. 
the hope of glory. I believe this is the demon out here. It's you and me when we're unregenerate and before God has put us through fire and trials and tribulations and persecutions and he's burning out that outer man. And the older you get, the older you get, the more fire and trials burns out that outer man. I'm here as a man in his early 80s telling you that's happened to me. Even still, something will irritate me and I can feel the old man rising up and I have to stop myself and say, stop that. It's not your business to take any revenge on anybody or to tell anybody off. We're not supposed to be doing that. That's a hard place to come to until you get old. If you get old enough, you'll fight, 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 fight. You'll wake up one day in your early 60s and you'll say, this is not working. What am I doing? Why don't I try it the way God says do it and crucify self and let him take the revenge? He said, vengeance is mine. I will repay. But we want that outer man to take revenge, don't we? Vengeance, I said it in reading the letters, is the word ekdikasis, E-K-D-I-K-E-S-I-S. That's the word vengeance. Vengeance means to decay, D-I-K-E, comes from this word here, and ek means out. It means to write out things. I'm going to make things right, and that's nothing but the demon of self that says, I'm going to get what I deserve. What else would it be but that? There's not a devil going around that comes on you and says, you can tell people off and tell them you're going to get what you rightly deserve. Well, that ain't nothing but self anyway, is it? I do not believe that demons exist. They don't. Jesus said they were self. Let me give you the verse one more time. Let me give you the verse. And I'll repeat some things, but I am becoming more and more convinced demons is our flesh, that we want what we want, and we don't care how we get it. And God has to wear that. He has to wear this man out right here, this fleshly man. He's got to wear you out where you say, I don't want to fight no more. If you ever get to your late 60s or your early 70s, you're going to come to that place and say, why am I fighting people? Now look here one more time and mark the first chapter. Mark the first chapter. This is a a verse that tells me that demons are nothing but self. Mark the first chapter. Mark 1. And Jesus is coming into the synagogue. Verse 21. Speaking of Jesus and James and John, his brother, they went into Capernaum. Now, Capernaum is right on the top of the Sea of Galilee. When you look at this map over here, and you see Zebulon, Nazareth was was there in Zebulon. Jesus was born down here in Bethlehem of Judea. 
But when they fled to Egypt, they came back to the land of Zebulun. After he was born, when he grew up, he made his headquarters right up here in Capernaum on the top of the Sea of Galilee. That's where his headquarters, that's where he called James and John and the fishermen on the Sea of Galilee. He called them to follow him, and they were fishermen there. Then, I think preachers need to preach with maps so you can see more of what it's about. Now, they come into the synagogue and taught, and they were astonished at his doctrine, for he taught them as one that had authority and not as the scribes. The scribes were Pharisees. They were the top Pharisees among the the so-called scribes of Israel. And there was in the synagogue a man with an unclean spirit. His problem was an unclean spirit. A, a kathros, A-K-A-T-H-A-R-O-S, A-K-A-T-H-A-R-O-S. That's the word unclean. It comes from the alpha privative. Alpha privative. And that means that negates the word when it's placed in front of a word. Katharos means clean. We get our word cauterized from that. C-A-U-T-E-R-I-Z. When you cauterize a womb, you cleanse it. So that means clean. The akatharos, since it negates the word, it means unclean. Numa. That is the word spirit. It was an unclean spirit. It was a spirit that was in his flesh. It was an unclean breath. Now, I believe the unclean breath is in our bodies. What keeps our bodies breathing is this oxygen we breathe out and the carbon carbon dioxide we breathe in and the carbon dioxide we breathe out. The only thing is you never expelled all your carbon dioxide. It's actually unclean. What keeps you alive is an un you have little sacs in your lungs called villi. Now I know about that because I've got bronchial asthma. And you never expel all that carbon dioxide out of your lungs. Therefore What's keeping you alive is partial carbon dioxide and partial oxygen. So the unclean breath would be whatever keeps this body alive. And But spiritually, what keeps us alive is Holy Spirit, which is truth. And there's no uncleanness in that. Now, I want you to notice what the man says. And there was in the synagogue a man with an Akatharos Numa. He had an unclean breath, saying, Let us alone. You have to understand, in the first century, they believed that all of the demons came in hordes. They came upon a man by many. That's why the guy said in Luke 8, I've got legion in me. I've got at least 3,000 demons in me. Well, I don't know where he got that idea because he had to go to a seminary somewhere and study demonology to count the ones that was in him. He just said that because he was going along with the public and what they believed. 
with their superstitions. He said, let us alone. What have we to do with thee? He's still using plural. Us. We. Thou, Jesus of Nazareth, art thou come to destroy us? I know thee who thou art, the Holy One of God. So he has recognized Jesus from what he is. Now Jesus switches this around and says, Jesus rebuked him. Masculine gender, singular. The guy keeps saying us, we. And Jesus, the way Jesus would correct somebody, he would change the gender and change the person. The person would be him, singular. Or that would be the number, single, and him, A-U-T-O, A-U-T-O is a form of self. It's our word auto. Whenever they wanted to say her or she, her or him or it, they would either use a form of A-U-T-O. If it was her, it would be A-U-T-A-T-A. The A-T-A is feminine gender on the end of a word, female. So, Ate is what Jesus, is what Paul used when he said, Husbands, love your wives as Christ loved the church and gave himself for her. It says it in the King James Bible, but that's wrong. In the Interlinear Bible, it'll tell you it's her. And the church is a her. Him would be A-U-T-O. And it would be a U-T-O-U, depending on if it was masculine or femdor, masculine or masculine or neuter, masculine or neuter gender, A-U-T-O-U can be either masculine or neuter depending on the antecedent. That would be Jim is the pastor. He, the antecedent of he would be Jim. The noun or pronoun it refers back to. So that would be A-U-T-O-U, A-U-T-O-U. It would be him. Now, I'm I'm just going to review this to bring you to a point I'm getting to. Now, you take this same man, Jesus rebuked him, and then the the Pharisees said of him, When the unclean spirit had torn him and cried with a loud voice, he came out of him. He is not in the original text. It came out of him, and they were all amazed insomuch that they questioned among themselves, saying, What thing is this, that new do- what new doctrine is this, that with authority commandeth he even the unclean spirits? Now, they use plural and they used neuter gender. Now you got three different people saying something. The man, he's talking about feminine gender and plural. You got Jesus talking about masculine gender singular. And you got these men watching, they're talking about neuter gender plural. Who are we going to believe? Jesus, right? You can't, everything in the Bible is true that it's there, 
But these two people are disagreeing with Jesus, and he's telling us what it is. You've got to really pay attention. Now, when you look at the same man, I'm going to give it to you again because it's very important. In Luke 4, the same man is said of him. Luke 4. In Luke 4, this same man is it's Luke's account of the same man. In Luke 4, in verse 33, in the synagogue there was a man which had an unclean, a catharos, devil. He had an unclean devil, the word is demonion. Demonion has to be the same thing as as an unclean spirit over here. Doesn't it? Has to be because it's talking about the unclean demon and the unclean breath over here, which has to be this outer man right there. I am becoming more and more convinced of this the more I study. Now, we've talked about where the demons come from. How are demons cast out? Let me give you one more time how they're cast out. Let's go over here to Matthew 12. Well, let's look at Matthew 8 Be on our way. Matthew eight sixteen. When the evening was come, they brought unto Jesus many that were possessed with devils. Possessed with devils. We've already concluded. Possessed with devil means to be insane. D-A-I-M-O-N-I-Z-O-M-A-I. Demonizomai is the word possess with devils. When you go into McClinic and Strong, they will tell you this means to be insane. And we always go back to the man in Luke 8. The Bible said he was possessed with devils. When Jesus cast the... What was in him was this desire for self. When you take self, and you people say, Jesus wouldn't take self and put it into swine. Would he transgress any of the other laws of nature? Would he walk on water? Would he raise the dead? Would he calm the storm and say, Shh! Yes, he did that too. The man said, We want to keep our demons around because we want to talk to them. They believed in their culture and day and time that demons were figures that hovered in the air and they possessed men and they believed they were gods. Now, there is a... I've got a, a paper here, and it talks... I've got all kinds of papers that will tell you that they believed that Daemonion, D-A-I-M-O-N-I-O-N, Daemonion and Theos were interchangeable words among the pagans. Theos is the word God. Daemonion was interchangeable with Theos among heathens. That's who they call their 
they call their ancestors Daemonion. We know that here. They called them demons and they said they were gods that had been reincarnated reincarnated this gets to be very difficult along the way I'm going to try to say these things quickly and look here in the 8th chapter of of Matthew and look very closely at what it says when the evening was come in verse 16 they brought unto him many that were actually insane and many that were possessed with devils and he cast out what is it he's casting out the insanity, isn't it? The Bible says, when that man came to his right mind, over there in Luke 8, right mind is the word sophroneo. It means sane mind. He was insane at the beginning, and now he is sane. Something happens when you get sane. It tells you what happened to him. The people in the town came out and they found this man who had been naked running through the tombs, cutting himself all over and screaming. They found him sitting at the feet of Jesus, clothed and in his sane mind, his sofa nail, his right mind. you got to equate possessed with devils, insanity, with demons. It's nothing but a man being crazy. I've been there. I've been insane, wanting what I wanted. You ever been there? It's a terrible place to be. And then it says, He cast out spirits with His Word. He cast out the spirits with the Word of God. That's the only way... Self goes out with the word of God. Now let's look at let's look at Matthew twelve. Matthew twelve. Matthew twelve. Matthew twelve and verse verse. Verse 28. Now something happens when you cast out insanity out of a man. But if I cast out devils by the Spirit of God, the Bible says, Thy word is truth. It's the truth that devils are cast out. The truth. That's John seventeen seventeen. John 17. 17. He cast out devils with the truth. The truth is what God puts in our hearts, isn't it? He said, if I cast out devils by the truth of God, what does he do with his truth? Well, he does something to all of us that he doesn't do to the world. The word truth is the word Aletheia. He puts into the heart of all men that he writes truth in their heart. He doesn't write truth in everybody's heart. You say, that guy is truthful. If he's truthful, he'll tell the truth all the time. 
Truth is the word aletheia, A-L-E-T-H-E-I-A. It comes from lanthano, which means to hide or conceal. And the alpha privative in front of a word negates the word. That's what this is, alpha privative. It negates lanthano, means not to hide anything. So when devils are cast out, you'll quit hiding things from the world and you'll tell the truth no matter what it costs you. You say, I'm not doing that right now. Well, maybe you hadn't gone through enough for God to cast out devils, cast out that flesh. Maybe you need more tribulation, more persecution. I'll tell you what, if you'll get old enough, you'll say, I ain't playing games with nobody no more as a believer. You come to a place and say, no more games for me. I'll tell you the truth. What you see is what you get from Jim Brown. I will tell you the truth any time, night or day. I have never been so tired of me. You got to get tired of that outer man wanting what he wants. That's when devils go out. Then he says, if I cast out devils by the Spirit of God, then something happens to you. Then the kingdom of God of God that's when it comes to you. Kingdom of God is a term for Israel. Spiritual Israel comes to you. You become a spiritual Jew. A Jew is not outwardly, but of the heart. Well, how does that happen? That's when God writes upon fleshy tables of our hearts. Now, he said, that's when the kingdom of God comes into you. And the apostles said to him, are you going to restore the kingdom of God? And he said in John, uh, in the book of John, he says, 20 and and seventeen, eighteen, he says, the kingdom of God is in you, but he's only in you when Jesus cast out devils by his by his spirit. What does he do with his spirit, which is the truth? He writes it upon your hearts, and then he says over here in Luke eleven, Luke eleven. This is how we as Gentiles become spiritual Jews or spiritual Israel. Luke 11. Luke 11. He said in verse 20, If I with the finger of God cast out devils, no doubt the kingdom of God or Israel or you become a spiritual Jew is come upon you. I'm not going to go through the rest of that. That's a long thing to go into. So, with the finger of God, what does he do? He writes upon fleshy tables of our hearts. How far back does the does this go? Does this demon thing go? In the ancient world, they believed that demons started at Babylon. And they did. That's where... When they said, let us make us a name, let us build us a city in town and let us make us a name, they said that's when demons started was at Babylon. And that's when the imagination started because 
They said, let us make us a name, let us build us a city and a tower. They said, this they begin to do. Now nothing will be restrained from them which they have imagined to do. I've been questioning something for a long time about demons. Been wondering about it. Didn't know quite what to do about it. It was puzzling to me. Why is it everywhere you go in history, everybody tells you that demons were under the control of Solomon. That Solomon was the master of the demons. Where did he come up with that? And where did that imagination come from? Let me just put this on the board. Solomon. Master of demons. The gods of the ancient world were called Daemonion. That's where they got it. I have been researching for some time. I saw a movie years ago and it was called The Brass Bottle. The Brass Bottle. It came out somewhere around 1967, I believe it was, or either 64 to 67, somewhere in there. And Burl Ives, if you remember him, he was an old actor and, and folk singer, played the genie. He played the genie in the bottle. G-E-N-I-R-J-I-N-N. R-G, there's many different ways to spell it. G-E-N-I-E. Gen was plural for genies. We've said if you believe in demons, you have to believe in genies. You have to believe in in genies because demon, demonion, Daemonion was the same thing as genies when you cross the border and went into Arab countries. Genie comes from gen or gene. Gene is your makeup. That would be your ancestors. Daemonion, the Jews said, was their ancestors reincarnated into man-gods. Man-gods. It was a man that was a god like Hercules. They called Hercules a daemonion. Now, where did all of this start? How did Solomon get involved in this? Solomon being the master of the genies. In the brass bottle... All through the movie, Burl Ives kept talking about Solomon and the jinn. Solomon and the genies. Well, I believe it goes all the way back to 
how did it come into our society? It goes all the way back to 1 Kings, the 16th chapter. Let's go back to 1 Kings 16. I don't know if I'm going to try to explain this to you. It's very, very in-depth. Let me go back here. Now, I've got some things that will help you understand what I'm talking about. Now, go back here to 1 Kings, the 11th chapter. I believe it goes back to here, but it didn't start here. It goes back before this. But King Solomon loved many strange women. Strange does not mean weird. It's the word nokri, N-O-K-R-I-Y. N-O-K-R-I-Y. Nokri means foreign women. If Solomon loves foreign women, he's not supposed to be marrying anybody outside of Israel, according to the Bible. But he loves them together with the daughter of Pharaoh. Well, in Pharaoh's daughter, she was worshiping all these gods of Egypt, Osiris and Isis and Amun-Ra, and the list goes on and on. They had thousands of gods. So he's going to be bringing these gods into here. And they called these gods by the title of Demonion among the Greeks. They called them Demonion. Together with Pharaoh, women of the Moabites, Moab is what we call southern Jordan. Out of southern Jordan, they brought Shemash. It's a form of Shemesh, which is one of the words for sun, the sun god in Israel. And the and Ammonites, Ammon was northern Jordan. That's where they worship Moloch or Molech, many different variations of the name. And the Edomites, Edomites were the were the children of Esau just south of Israel. And the Zidonians, Zidonian, that was Sidon, just north of Israel, where they worshipped Baal and the grove. That was just up here. Baal and grove. That's what Solomon brought into Israel. And those were considered to be Daemonion or demons. Baal or the grove. Where did Solomon get his okay to marry these women? Could he have been influenced to marry them by an association, which I believe he did? Now, this up here was called, we call it Lebanon. Lebanon. It was Tyre and Sidon. To say Tyre was the same thing as to say Sidon. They... When you look at, you remember that that uh, I told you I talked to you about earlier about the twenty eighth chapter of Ezekiel. Remember that, and I was talking about the the other picture of Satan, and he was in Sidon. Look at the twenty eighth chapter of Ezekiel. I don't know if you can get a hold of this all at once. 
28th chapter of Ezekiel. Twenty-eight chapter. Now, just read a little bit of it. The word of the Lord came unto me, saying, Son of man, say unto the prince of Tyre, or Tyrus. Tyre was the same thing as Lebanon. It's the same land where Ahab brought Baal in the grove, and Jezebel brought her gods, Baal in the grove, out of Tyre and Sidon, and and Ahab married into northern Israel, and that's what corrupted northern Israel. You got to put these people together. Thus saith the Lord God, because thine heart is lifted up, and has said, I am a God. Sounds like Kenneth Copeland. He says he's a God, and. Yet thou art a man and not a God. Now he says, I sit in the seat of God in the midst of the seas. What does that mean? When you look at Tyre, Tyre was actually an island, just, it was a city, just off the coast, just off the coast, and it sat out here in the sea, with the sea on all sides. I've got a picture of that in McClinic and Strong. So he actually dwelt in the midst of the sea. That's not something that just threw in there. He dwelt in the midst of the sea. When Alexander the Great came down to attack Tyre, he had to build a bridge out to Tyre to attack it. So they actually dwelt in the sea. That was the headquarters for all this bell in the grove that came had moved over there from Babylon. Well, let's let's read a little more of this. Behold thou art wiser than Daniel, there is no secret that can hide from thee. With thy wisdom and with thine understanding thou hast gotten thee riches. Tyre and Sidon was one of the richest areas of the world. They had all kinds of rich uh, pearls and gold and silver and diamonds and purple. Was They had these little mollusks off the coast of Tyre. They had to get thousands of them together to dye a purple garment. And if you got found wearing purple, they would take you into the law and find out where you got that purple garment. By thy great wisdom and by thy traffic hast thou increased thy riches. I'm going to go on down through. I'm not going to read all this because it talks about as though this was Satan himself. And look down here in verse uh, 12. Son of man, take up a lamentation upon the king of Tyrus and say unto him, Thus saith the Lord God, Thou sealest up the psalm full of wisdom and perfect beauty. Thou hast been in Eden the garden of God. He's talking about the spirit of the prince of Tyre hath been in Eden. Every precious stone was thy covering, the sardius, the topaz, the diamond, the beryl, the onyx, the jasper, the sapphire, the emerald, and the carbuncle, and gold. The workmanship of thy tabrets and thy pipes was prepared in thee in the day that thou wast created. 
Thou art the anointed cherub that covereth. And I have sent thee so. Thou wast upon the holy mountain of God. Thou hast walked up and down in the midst of the stones of fire. Now what he's saying, the spirit of Satan was in this man, this king of Tyre. Thou wast perfect in thy ways. It doesn't mean he was without the ability to sin. The word perfect, before he sinned in heaven, before he was cast out, you find a man here, just like the man was a man over in Isaiah the 14th chapter where the Lord tells Belshazzar, you're a man. This is a man with evidently the spirit of, of Satan in him. Now he says, Thou art that anointed cherub that covered. You were perfect. Tomim. T-A-M-I-Y-M. It means upright before you sinned. And then he says, So this is a picture of Satan. You were upright in your ways from the day that thou was created till iniquity was found in you. So that's when he was cast out of heaven. This is incorporating the prince of tires keeping this system going of self with Satan or with the desire for this flesh. It's really, this is a very abstract thing to see. By the multitude of thy merchandise, they have filled the midst of thee with violence, and thou hast sinned. Therefore, I will cast thee as a profane out of the mountain of God. I will destroy thee, O covering cherub, from the midst of the stones of fire. Now, I want us to go back to First Kings. Where did all of this start with demons? Why would why would would uh, why would Solomon get involved? in this thing called demons. How did he get involved with this with this system? It wasn't an accident. I believe Solomon got involved when he employed the Prince of Tyre to build the temple of God. That's when he got involved with demons. That's where he that's what he did. There's a man named Hiram. Hiram over in the fifth chapter. Hiram was the prince of Tyre. That was long before long before the prince of Tyre's mentioned and Ezekiel, the 28th chapter. Hiram was the prince of Tyre. When God gave Solomon the commandment to build the temple, The thing that Solomon did, he went up here to Lebanon or to the land of Tyre and he employed the prince of Tyre to build the temple down here in Jerusalem. 
You think maybe he had something to do with influencing Solomon to be involved in his gods? I believe exactly that. Now, what I'm going to do, I'm going to read some more of this in the 11th chapter, and I'm going to connect this to 1 Kings, the 5th chapter. This is where Solomon starts building the house of God, the temple of God. And he uses demon worshipers to do that in the 5th chapter. You see, how do you know they're still worshiping? They always worship other gods in Tyre. I'm going to show you how we know that. Other gods in Tyre. Let's read on down here. In 1 Kings, the 11th chapter, and something really serious happens. You've got to remember, Solomon corrupts Israel in 1 Kings, the 11th chapter. He corrupts Israel with all of this worship. And then in 1 Kings, this is in 1 Kings, the 11th chapter. Solomon corrupts Israel with this worship. In 1 Kings, the 16th chapter, the prince of Tyre. brings in Jezebel's, and it is actually Ahab, marries Jezebel, her father is Ethbaal, and he is the king of Tyre. With all of these gods that Solomon brings in and marries these women and start worshiping. It has puzzled me. Why would God Solomon do that? Did he just do this out of the clear blue sky? I don't believe it. I believe he was influenced when he hired Hiram to give him cedars of Lebanon. See, those cedars of Lebanon, they were very strong wood. It wouldn't rot. He needed those cedars. Could he have gotten it from somewhere else? I don't know. But those cedars were indestructible. Years and years of rain and, and all kinds of elements from the world wouldn't cause them to rot. It's funny how God causes Solomon to do this and employ those, employ Hiram to bring cedars of Lebanon down to Israel to build the temple. He employed a pagan king. You think he wasn't influenced? I believe he was exactly influenced. In fact, if we read on in that 11th chapter, what God does to Solomon, I'm still puzzled over something. Why would God take the kingdom from Solomon and literally promised to destroy the kingdom when Ahab brings all these gods in there and makes and makes Israel in the 16th chapter makes Israel northern Israel becomes the worship of of Baal and the grove and he sets up temples for Baal and the grove why didn't he do something worse to Solomon than that when Solomon married all these women 
Solomon did much the same thing as Ahab. But he just worshipped all these women and made them temples for their demon gods. It's amazing to me. Let's read on here. And verse 2, of the nations concerning which, this is 2 of verse chapter 11, of the nations concerning which the Lord said unto the children of Israel, you shall not go into them, neither shall they come into you, for surely they will turn away your heart after their gods. Solomon clave unto these women, it says in love. I believe it was in lust. And you know, if he had a thousand women, they weren't all ugly. But he said, I couldn't fulfill all my desires with all these women. And he had 700 wives, princes, and 300 concubines. Concubines were secondary wives. And he had babies by all of them. And his wives turned away his heart. And it was come to pass when Solomon was old that his wives turned away his heart after other gods. And his heart was not perfect with the Lord his God, or was the heart of David his father. And Solomon went after Ashtoreth, which was a generic term for all the female deities, the goddess of the Zidonians. Well, that was he got that idea from Hiram when he built the temple there. In the fifth chapter, he consulted Hiram to have him ship down these wonderful cedars of Lebanon. And after Milcom, the abomination of the Ammonites. That's just another name for Molech or Malcolm or Milcom. They're all the same variations of the same word. And Solomon did evil in the sight of the Lord and went not fully after the Lord as did David his father. Then did Solomon build a high place for Shemosh, the abomination of Moab, southern Jordan. Southern Jordan was right next door to Israel. Right next door, in the hill of Jerusalem, and for Molech, the abomination of Ammonites, that was northern Jordan. Jordan is right next door to Israel. And likewise did he for all his strange wives, which burn incense and sacrifice unto the gods. And the Lord was angry with Solomon, because his heart was turned from the Lord God of Israel, which had appeared unto him twice and had commanded him concerning this thing that he should not go after other gods. But he hired Hiram to be his architect. And he kept not that which the Lord commanded. Therefore the Lord said unto Solomon, For as much as this is done of thee, thou shalt not keep my covenant and my statutes, which I have commanded thee, I will rend, take the kingdom away from you, and give it to your servant. This is when God split Israel into two nations. Northern Israel, northern Israel, and southern Israel, which was called Judah. In the tribe of Judah, God called southern Israel by the southern tribe of Judah, by the, by the tribe of Judah. And Judah was comprised of Judah and Benjamin. Northern Israel was ten northern tribes headed up by Ephraim. 
And when he says, I'll rend the kingdom from you, he means you will not be the owner any longer. Only one of the one of the sons got to have the ownership, and that was Joseph through his second-born son, Ephraim. You find Ephraim gets the kingdom in Genesis, the 48th chapter. That's where God gives the kingdom to Joseph through his son Ephraim, and that was the ten northern tribes. And it all came about because Solomon married all of these foreign women and built kingdoms for them. And Ephraim, every time Ephraim is mentioned after he's dead, he's talking about northern Israel, all because of this. Where did Solomon get this idea? Let's look at something here. I want us to go back to the fifth chapter of First Kings. This all came about because of Solomon's prayer. Well, let's go back to the third chapter. The third chapter of First Kings. And the third verse says, Solomon loved the Lord walking in the statutes of David, his father, only he sacrificed and burned incense in high places. And then if you go down here to verse 6, Solomon said, Thou hast showed unto thy servant David, my father, great mercy, according as he has walked before thee in truth, and in righteousness, and in righteousness, and uprightness of heart, with thee, and thou hast kept for him this great kindness, that thou hast given him a son to sit on the throne, as it is this day. And that's me, Solomon's saying. And now, O Lord my God, thou hast made thy servant king instead of David my father. And I am but a little child. That sounds like the same words of Jeremiah when God said, Jeremiah, go through all the city and preach to everybody that judgment is coming. And Solomon said, But I am a little child, and I know not how to go out or come in. And thy servant is in the midst of the people which thou hast chosen, a great people that cannot be numbered nor counted for multitude. Give therefore thy servant an understanding heart to judge thy people. That was Solomon's prayer that I may discern between good and bad, for who is able to judge this thy so great a people? And the speech pleased the Lord that Solomon had asked this thing. And God said unto him, Because thou hast asked this thing, and hast not asked for long life, neither hast asked for riches for thyself, nor hast asked the life of thine enemies, but has asked for thyself understanding, discern judgment. Gosh, it sounds like Solomon is never going to forsake God, but he does. Behold, I have done according to thy words. Lo, I have given thee a wise and understanding heart, so that there was none like thee before thee, neither after thee shall any arise like unto thee. And I have given thee, Solomon, that which thou hast not asked, I've given you riches and honor so that there be not any among the kings like unto thee all thy days. 
And if thou walk in my ways and keep my statutes, which he doesn't, and my commandments, as thy father David did walk, then I will lengthen thy days. And Solomon woke, and behold, it was a dream. And God had promised him, Now, what does Solomon do? Well, let's look at the fifth chapter. This is Solomon's great prayer. Give me wisdom to rule thy people. God says, I'll not only give you wisdom, I'll give you riches. The first time that Hiram was mentioned was in 2 Samuel 5 and 11. Let's look at that. 2 Samuel 5 and 11. This all goes together. 2 Samuel 5 and 11. And Hiram king of Tyre, so it goes all the way back to David, sent messengers to David and cedar trees and carpenters and masons, and they built David an house. But David said, I can't build the temple of God because I'm a man of blood. I've been in too many wars. So the Bible says Solomon will build the temple of God. What we've got to do is go over here to the fifth chapter. How do you know that Hiram was worshiping these gods? We, how much time do I have, Mike? 35. All right. I want to tell you how we know. We're going to know that Solomon, uh, excuse me, that Hiram was worshiping these gods because of what Josephus says. Josephus. He was considered the most, the greatest of the ancient historians. He was born around 30, 34 to 37 AD, closer to 37, about four years after Jesus died on the cross. He was considered the best of the ancient historians. He's going to tell us that they were serving those gods during Solomon's day. Solomon was ignoring God. Just because they had the best materials, they had the best cedars that wouldn't rot, he wasn't supposed to be up there with Hiram. But I want you to look here in in. Well, we read this over here in 4 and 5 and 11. We read that about Hiram sent David all of this material for him to build a house with. But David was friends with Hiram. I don't know how or why, but David married a lot of women too. So let's go here to second. First Kings five and one. So King Solomon was king over all of Israel. Oops, what that's not the that's not five and one, five and one. Hiram king of Tyre sent his servants unto Solomon, for he had heard that they had anointed him king in the room of his fathers. Hiram was a pagan king. The Bible says we're not to communicate with those that walk disorderly, that they'll corrupt us. 
a verse over there. Do you think that the New Testament is separated from the Old? It's not. When you go over there, 1 Corinthians, the 15th chapter, evil communications corrupt good morals. When he's, when Solomon's going to communicate with Hiram, do you think this is any different in the Old Testament than the New Testament? The Bible says these women corrupted Solomon's world. He had to get the idea from Hiram. Had to. And Josephus tells us that. Josephus was a great... Josephus actually believed that Jesus was the Messiah. In 15 and 33, 1 Corinthians, Be not deceived, evil caucus means worthless worthless communications, homilia, companionship, corrupt, fathero, rot, good, Christos, useful manners, morals, ethics. Solomon is going to corrupt himself. And perhaps Ahab thought it wasn't so bad since Solomon had brought it in and he was God's king. Can you imagine what's going through these guys' minds? Let's get back over here to the fifth chapter of First Kings. Hiram, king of Tyre, sent his servants unto Solomon. For verse one, chapter five, First Kings, verse one. For he had heard that they had anointed Solomon king in the room of his father. For Hiram was ever a lover of David. He was a friend of David. He had sent materials to build his house. There's a corruption going on here with David and with Solomon. You say, but Jim, I thought all those good guys were good all the way through the Bible. No, they weren't. I mean, it's just like Noah got drunk. And Ham did some, he looked upon his father's nakedness and laughed at him. And God cursed Ham for that. These guys had sin in their lives. Sometimes it's hard to denote the sin because you think of David and Solomon as being only good guys. They were righteous, but they were like some of us. When we were young, they were righteous, and then they got into sin from time to time. And Solomon sent to Hiram, saying, Thou knowest how that David my father could not build an house in the name of the Lord, and his God, house of the name of the Lord, his God for the wars which were about him on every side until the Lord put them under the soles of his feet. You find that in Second Samuel 7 and 5 and First Chronicles 22 and 8. But now the Lord my God hath given me rest on every side that there is neither adversary nor evil occurrent. Behold, I purpose to build a house unto the name of the Lord my God, as the Lord spake unto David my father, saying, Thy son whom I have set upon thy throne in thy room, he shall build an house unto my name. And now therefore command that thou 
that thou that they hew me cedar trees of Lebanon, of Tyre, where they worship all these gods. You think it's going to affect Solomon? Absolutely. And my servants shall be with thy servants. Unto thee will I give hire for thy servants, according to all that thou shalt appoint. For thou didst, thou knowest that there is not among us any that can skill to the hue timbers like the Zidonians. Evil God worshippers. They worship Baal in the grove up there. It's going to look like Solomon is putting his approval on Baal in the grove to a point where that Ahab is not going to think of anything about marrying Jezebel and bringing these gods down into Israel. And they eventually pollute southern Judah. And it came to pass when Hiram heard the words of Solomon that he rejoiced greatly and said, Bless me the Lord this day, which hath given unto David a wise son over a great people. And Hiram sent to Solomon, saying, I have considered these things which thou sentest to me, for I will do all thy desire concerning the timber of cedar, concerning the timber of fir. My servants shall bring them down from Lebanon unto the sea, and I will convey them by sea and floats unto the place that thou wilt appoint me, and will cause them to be discharged there, and thou shalt receive them, and thou shalt accomplish my desire in giving food for my household. And he's going to pay him to do all this. And he's going to have a synthetic, synthesized fellowship with Tyre through Hiram, this godless man, because he wants to be friends. You can't run with friends of this world. And Hiram gave Solomon cedar trees and fir trees according to all his desire. And Solomon gave Hiram 20,000 measures of wheat for food for his household and 20 measures of pure oil. Thus gave Solomon to Hiram every year, year by year. And the Lord gave Solomon wisdom as he had promised him. And there was peace between Hiram and Solomon. And they too made a league together. And the king and King Solomon raised a levy out of Israel. And the levy was 30,000 men. And he sent them to Lebanon. And they were polluted when they got up there. You cannot run with the world and not be polluted. Sent them to Lebanon, 10,000 a month by curses, by courses. And a month they were in Lebanon and two months at home. And Adoniram was over the levy. And Solomon had threescore and ten thousand that bear burdens. And fourscore thousand hewers in the mountains. And they were up there working hand in hand with idol worshippers. How do you know that, Jim? I'll show you here in a moment. Beside the chief of Solomon's officers which were over the work, 3,300, which ruled over the people that wrought in the work. And the king commanded that they wrought great stones, costly stones, and huge stones to lay the foundation of the house. And Solomon's builders and Hiram's builders did hew together. 
and the stone squares, so they prepared timber and stones to build the house. And throughout this entire chapter and throughout the ninth chapter, he's talking about Hiram working with the workers of Solomon. What do you think they got that idea? Let me read something to you. This is out of Josephus, the great historian. I'm going to read to you out of out of out of uh, the book of Josephus. Upon the death of Abibalus, his son Hiram took the kingdom. This is out of the historian. This king raised banks at the eastern parts of the city and enlarged it. He also joined the temple of Jupiter Olympius. He was worshiping Jupiter up there. Hiram was, and Solomon was mixing with him. Where do you think he got that idea to marry all those women? Got it from Hiram, and perhaps his own father David, who had been a friend of Hiram. And not only that, he looked at his father, who took his mother, Bathsheba, by killing by killing Urias, her husband, and committing adultery with his own mother. So perhaps Solomon was thinking, my father David did this. Maybe I wouldn't be so bad marrying all these women. Sometimes you run with the wrong people, you get the wrong idea. I did. Have you ever run with the wrong person and got the wrong idea? I've done that. He, and he joined the temple of Jupiter Olympius, which stood before the island by itself to the city by raising a causey or a causeway between them and adorned that temple with donations of gold. He was, Mr. Josephus is saying Hiram is worshiping all these gods. They say further that Solomon when he was king of Jerusalem, sent problems to Hiram to solve. What? You mean you're going to send problems to this wicked, idolatrous worshiper to solve, and you're going to buy timbers from him and give him all this food? Solomon got his ideas from Hiram, and perhaps he got them from his father. You're going to affect people by how you live. What you do affects other people. And other people have affected you and they've affected me. I used to run with a certain guy in gospel music. He was always crooking and cheating and lying thieving. And I thought I can I can be around him and I can convince him, but he didn't. He he affected me and my ways. Harm had agreed to the proposals of of Solomon. Abdemon, a man of Tyre, did solve the problems. Now I shall add Meander, the Ephesian, as an additional witness. This Meander wrote the acts that were done both by the Greeks and the barbarians under every one of the Tyrian kings and had taken much pains to learn their history out of their own records 
Now, when he was writing about these kings, they had reigned at Tyre. They were godless worshipers. And he came to Hiram and says to him, Upon the death of Abibbalus, his son Hiram took the kingdom, and he lived fifty-three years and reigned thirty-four. He raised a bank on that called the Broad Place and dedicated that golden pillar which is in Jupiter's temple. He also went and cut down timber from the mountain called Libanus and got timber of the cedar of the roofs of the temples. He also pulled down the old temples and built new ones. Besides this, he consecrated the temple of Hercules and Astarte. Hiram did this while Solomon's getting timbers from him to build the temple of God. Wow! There's no wonder Solomon did all this. He had a lot of influence from David, his father, and from Hiram. And the only reason he was dealing with Hiram because Hiram was a friend of his father. Your fathers can influence you to do the wrong thing. Evidently, Solomon was influenced to do the wrong thing. He first built Hercules' temple in the month Peritus and that of Ashtart. Ashtart, the same thing as Asherah. Asherah was the grove. And he made his expedition against the Titans. Under this king then was the younger son of Abedomen who mastered the problems which Solomon, king of Jerusalem, had recommended that they be solved. And I could read on and on. I'm going to read you something about Josephus. Yosef ben Metanyahu. See, Metanyahu is... Netanyahu is the has been the prime minister of Israel, and that was a variation of the name of Josephus. Was the first century Romano Jewish historian who was born in Jerusalem. He was born somewhere thirty seven A.D. about two, about four years after Jesus was crucified. Then part of Roman Judea to a father of priestly descent and a mother who claimed royal ancestry. He initially fought against the Romans during the first Jewish-Roman War. You remember when Titus came in and attacked the Jews in 70 A.D. and leveled the temple? That was the Jewish-Roman Wars. As a head of Jewish forces in Galilee until surrendering in 67 CE, that's the common era, or the Christian era, to Roman forces led by Vespasian, who at that time was the, was the heir to be emperor of Rome. After the six-week siege at Jatapada, Josephus claimed the Jewish messianic prophecies that initiated the first Jewish-Roman war made reference to Vespasian becoming emperor of Rome. Vespasian was the father of Titus who attacked Israel in 70 A.D. Let me read some other things here. Josephus was a descendant of the high priest of Israel, Jonathan Aphus. The high priest goes back to Aaron. He was evidently a Jewish high priest. In his mid-twenties, he traveled to negotiate with Emperor Nero for release of Jewish priests. 
Josephus was appointed military governor of Galilee. So he was in 71 CE, he went to Rome in the entourage of Titus, becoming a Roman citizen, and all of the Jews were calling Josephus a traitor. But guess who was calling him a traitor? The Pharisees, who didn't re- he did not interpret the Bible correctly. I got something else to read you about Josephus. He actually believed that Jesus was the Messiah. And I don't believe he would say anything to contradict these things. Demons go back go back to Babylon. They were the same thing as gods in the ancient world. In the antiquities of the Jews, Flavius Josephus wrote, he states that Jesus was the Messiah, a wise teacher was crucified by Pontius Pilate. And he speaks in modern scholarship, has largely acknowledged the authenticity of a second reference to Jesus in the Antiquities, found in Book 20, Chapter 9, the brother of Jesus who was called Christ. Josephus very well may have been a believer. i got some other things to read to you about Solomon and the demons. I'm just going to read some things to you. King Solomon and the demon of Apephas uh, is originally the testament of Solomon. King Solomon gained power over demons when he married all those women. That's why. And when he ran around with, with Hiram, the king of Tyre. Solomon gained power over the demons and forced them to build the temple in Jerusalem. That We know who did that. That was the people of Tyre under Hiram and all of his men that were idol worshippers. It dates back to somewhere between the 1st and the 5th century CE. And then he goes on to say, King Solomon first gained power over demons at the time. This is a this is off the internet. You look on the internet, look up Solomon and the demons, Solomon and the genies. They're the same thing. All this thing about demons is just man's imagination. It's just ridiculous. King Solomon first gained power over the demons at the time he was building the temple in Jerusalem. That's because Hiram was the king of Tyre at that time. And he goes into this wild, off-the-wall tale about giving a ring to some boy, and he takes this ring and casts it to, into Solomon, and it's supposed to be the demons are started. Let me read this here about demons. This is off the Internet. The original word, original Greek word demon, daemon, does not carry the negative connotation originally understood by implementation of koine, daemonion. It doesn't carry the same connotation. In the first century, demons were considered to be good gods. A demon is considered an unclean spirit, sometimes a fallen angel. We know that's not true. 
and it goes on and on. You can look up demon on the internet. The Greek word, now here's something amazing. The Greek term does not have the connotation of evil or malevolence. In fact, eudaimonia, I've got this in many books, in several books. Eudaimonia means good demon. Excuse me. D-A-I-M-O-N. Eudaimonia means good or well demon. And it actually means what is prosperous or welfare. We get our word welfare from that. It means a good demon. That's what it means. Now, these Pentecostals and Charismatics and now Baptists, they actually believe in demons. There's no such thing as your flesh. That's all it is. And when you're young, you don't want to get rid of your flesh, do you? Don't tell me that, Jim. You won't now, but you do when you get older, don't you? You say, this flesh has been nothing. It's been nothing but something that hurts me. It takes everything out of you. That's why lust and covetousness is the demon. That's all it is. You work and work and try and try and live and live and live and live and fail and fail and fail and fail and be attacked by the world till one day you say, this is not working. Oh, God, help me. And you remember these words when you get old, won't you? You'll know it. it's true. You won't find any old Christian that wants to stay in the flesh. It's too hard. It's too hard a place to live. And he goes on to say, the Latin, let me read this. The ancient Greek word daemon denotes a spirit or divine power much like the Latin genius. They tie genius and demons together everywhere you can find them. Daemon most likely came from the Greek word deistai, meaning to divide or distribute. Demon means to distribute fortunes. That's what the flesh wants to do, doesn't it? I don't believe demons are any more than your flesh. The Bible says the heart is deceitful above all things and desperately wicked. Who can know it? It's the heart that's deceitful, not demons that are deceitful. Goodness gracious, let me read some more of this. Some scholars believe that the large portion of demonology, of Judaism, a key influence on Christianity and Islam, originated from a later form of Zoroastrianism, which is fire worship. Everything you hear about demons is just man's imagination. Demons are always regarded as spirits of those who have died. It's your dead ancestors. Are your ancestors living in you? Yeah. How are they living in you? In this flesh that desires to be fulfilled. That's what it is. If if men would say the real truth about demons... People might get convicted and tell them demons are self. Let me read this to you. 
According to Jewish Encyclopedia and Chaldean mythology, the seven evil deities were known as Shadu. Shadu is the word that's translated demon out of Hebrew in the Old Testament. In fact, every time you find the word goat or hairy, goat or hairy, they translate that D-A-I-M-O-N-I-O-N. That's what they translate. Even the, the goats, the two goats that were taken on the Day of Atonement, when they translated them into the Septuagint, they translated them Deomanion. Demon. Our problem is not anything but our flesh. They were represented as winged bulls. That's what demons are represented as. They were so supposed to be these these right here. Those are supposed to be demons. It was a convolution of what God formed his covenant with when Noah came out of the ark with the fowl of the air, the king of the fowl is the eagle with the cattle of the field, the king of the cattle is the bull and with the king of the beast and the king of the beast is the lion. With those three in man, when you see that I believe they stole that from Israel when they took Israel captive. And then he says they were represented as winged bulls derived from the colossal bulls used as protective gins. J-I-N-N-S. If people can blame their sin on a demon, you can cast it out and they get up on their feet and walk away and continue their sin the next day. I, I believe the hardest thing for man to realize the demon is his flesh. And that will give you in more trouble than anything else there is out there. And he says, The writers of Tanakh applied the word as dialogism to Canaanite deities. Goodness, I could read on and on. I've got so much to read on this. Do I have any time, Mike? Seven. Seven. Twice the word Shedim is mentioned in the Old Testament. Shedim, S-H-E-D-I-M. When they translated this into the Septuagint, L-X-X, they translated this to Deamanion. You see, those translators... Those translators in 200 B.C., they knew the truth about demons. They knew the truth about familiar spirits. These are the two verses. Deuteronomy 32 and 17. Deuteronomy 32 and 17. I really believe that demon is our flesh. Do you know that you're living with an evil system in you? And if you get old, God's burnt most of it out. You don't want what you wanted when you were young. Young is a terrible place to be. <laughs> you don't know that till you get old. When you get old, you're going, oh, me. 
Jim used to say that. Now he's dead and I'm old. And that'll happen one day. In Deuteronomy 32, 32 and 17. 32 and 17. They sacrificed, talking about these people, talking about pagans, they sacrificed unto devils, Deamonion, not to God, to the gods, to the demons, to the Deamonion, whom they knew not, to new Deamonion that came newly up, whom your fathers feared not. We don't, we don't have to fear demons because there's no such thing. That is superstition. It's these Hollywood people making up things. It's just not true. And in Psalms 106, this 106 and 37. Let me read that. Psalms 100, 136, 106, 37. 106, 37. Yea, they sacrificed their sons and their daughters unto Deamonion in the Septuagint. They translated what it should be. It says devils here, but it means demons because that's what they worshiped, their ancestors. And there's so much to this. I can't give you all all of this. It's just unbelievable amount of information. What gets me, this is all on the Internet. Did you know that? You can get, just look up Solomon. Here's Solomon and the demons right here. Solomon and the demons by M.R. James. Here's Testament of Solomon. This article originally appeared in Jewish Free Press. Keith Solomon's genie, G-E-N-I-E. You got Eudemonism out of Hastings Encyclopedia of Origin. It'll tell you all about Eudemonism. It's what Thomas Jefferson founded America upon. Welfare or good demons. You've got, I've got so many, so many things here. Tutelary gods. A tutelary god was a guardian god, was a guardian angel. That comes out over there. This is eudaimonism out of Webster's Dictionary. This is demons out of Harvest of Hellenism. I've got so much on this, I cannot impart it to you. It's overwhelming. And why? how can I find all these articles on what the ancients called demons... They called them God-men. If you believe in demons, you got to believe in Hercules. you got to believe in Perseus. you got to believe in Venus is a woman up on some heavenly parapet looking down on the world. There's only one God and there is no other. I, there's just, I've got so much material on it. I can't give it to, I can't give it to y'all. I've just tried to pick up some of them. You can go into. I simply took Hiram out of my, out of my, out of my uh, 
in my concordance. I went into Tyre out of my concordance. And I can't give you everything on Tyre or Tyrus. It was around long before Solomon did what he did. And it was around before Ahab did what he did. But God saw fit to destroy Ahab and to let Solomon live. How? I don't know. God has his way of his mercy. I'm going to emphasize that demons are the flesh. That's all it is. It's your flesh. And if you get old enough, you'll burn out on the flesh, won't you? You'll burn out. You'll go. I tried to have the women I wanted and I couldn't be satisfied. I tried to have the money I wanted. I couldn't be satisfied. I tried to have everything I wanted. I wanted my cars. I used to want fancy cars. I don't want a fancy car anymore. I don't want one at all. Have you ever wanted a car you couldn't have? Well, young guys want them. I promise you that. All young guys want them. Real fancy car. I'm out of time. I hope this wasn't too confusing. It was a lot of information about demons from Josephus. He verifies that that they were worshiping demons when Solomon was building the temple using the men of Tyre to do it. That always puzzled me. I'd see Hiram men there of Tyre and I'd think were they still worshiping those gods then yeah they were well let's pray father thank you for truth God I sometimes I don't know what what to say there's so much in your book and all the information we have in history I pray that you'll give us strength to continue your work Give me strength if it's according to your mercy and will that if you'll heal me enough of this sickness that I can continue. Lord, I'll thank you for it in Christ's name. Amen. Fight my battles. One of my battles is this illness. I don't think most people look to people like Josephus for information. He'll give you a lot of information.